Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Paul, and uh, welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. We've been talking about romantic uh, movies, and uh, Gerald, let me see, one of our listeners on to say, um, I don't always like rom-coms, but I really enjoyed the comedy and the chemistry in The Ugly Truths uh, with the underrated actress Catherine Hegel and uh, Gerald Butler as well, one I'm not familiar with, but I must have a look. Quite a few people on to us about Madam X, the movie, saying it's a classic and it's wonderful, and somebody taking exception <laughs> to what we were saying about Grease and Danny and Sandy and all of that. And Amelia says... Uh, Danny changed himself for her too because they both wanted to be together. So there you go. The romance of it all, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful? Tom was on to say as well that St. Valentine um, is the patron saint of epilepsy. I didn't realise that, Tom, and thank you for that as well. Uh, the Proposal is a good movie, says uh, Patrick to us uh, today. And lots of people pointing out my... Um, a mistake there by saying it was Meryl Streep and some like it hot. Of course, it was Marilyn Monroe, and thank you for that, but it was one of the great movies, I think, of all time, even besides it being romantic or a rom-com. It's just a very, very fine movie indeed. All right, then, it's time for a village tour. The Tipperary Village Tour. Funded by Commission Naman with the television licence fee. Okay, John, the next stop on our village tour. We're still north of the county and a little bit further up the river. We're in Port Road this week at the most beautiful lookout point. Yeah, absolutely. And you're telling me you've never been here before. Never been here. Don't I bring it to wonderful places? <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, this is the lookout and we're just west of Port Row Village. So it's a beautiful place and we're looking right out on the lake all the way across there to over Silly Island to uh, Mount Shannon. And we're looking up the lake then as well towards um, Castle, the Castlelock estate and that's the deer park there and that was then of course in the ascendancy period you would have that was a parker that was the parker estate that's where Castlelock house they were the people who were the uh, grandees there and right out then there pointing out onto the lake we see that then called after them of course is Parker Point and I mentioned that the last day but we're looking at the place now do you, do you remember the 45M the boat that yes, sank well yeah. that's exactly where it sank out there and it sank in a storm and you see it in such you know the river today it's calm mm. it's beautiful it's harmless we're looking at a the great sweep of the river but it seems almost as if you could swim across it but I'll tell you when it gets stormy and the thing was they were in Gary Kennedy and they were it wasn't too bad in there when they were coming out along then once they came around that point there they were hit by a full gale and of course they had what you call a narrow boat which is a canal boat and they're basically built for canals so they can't really overturn 
you know. Um, but, but when it comes in to a lake like this, they're much more unstable, and they were hit by the full force of the gale there, and the boat sank there. But the, 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 And three people were lost, as I said, the last day. But actually, what I hadn't have time to tell you the last day was, the boat was actually raised later on. It was restored. And a man that our older listeners will all remember, I don't think you do, Alison, but Roland, like me, will remember, is Dick Warner. And he was a great environmentalist when it wasn't fashionable to be an environmentalist. And he got that boat and he sailed it in a commemorative voyage all the way down along the canal. And then in calm weather, they waited for, they came down along here and they stopped there and they threw flowers into the ocean where the three people were lost. And the boat has now been restored. So that was, uh, that was great. But, you know, it's wonderful here. And of course, in those days, this was a busy sh- commercial shipping lane right up to the 50s and 60s where goods are going up and down. Then railways and 18-wheeler trucks and all that began to take the business from them. And now it has a new purpose. It's recreational. And I think we haven't made full be- you know, benefit from it yet. Mm-hmm. But it's hope for the future because up through here, the Lockberg Way is becoming more popular. And now there are plans for a greenway that will go all the way up from Ballinay up to Drummondier, which will be great in itself. But yeah. not only that, it's to cross the river then and link with another greenway that will bring it to Limerick. That greenway is planned then to, to, to link with the West Limerick Greenway. And in fact, you go all the way to Fiennes down in Kerry to the West Coast. And that's the thing I think that will happen in the long run. As we get more greenways, we'll be able to integrate them. And I would love to see a day where you can leave from, from Dublin and you can cycle off off-road and cycle all the way and visit virtually every county and come back. We're not there yet, but we're going in that direction. But I think the greenways are a wonderful innovation and this one should popularise this place hugely. So tell me, what are we going to look at here in Portro today? What we're going to do then is we're going to go up and we'll look at that. There's a, was a tr- this was never too, too poor an area. Well, obviously the land is good, but not only that, they were lucky. They had natural resources and the natural resource here was slate. And in the 19th century, the demand for slate in the Industrial Revolution was huge. Now, afterwards, you know, in the 20th century declined when you got artificial slates. But at that stage, and you know, we were, it was being exported from here. We're going to look at that. And then I'm going to go on, I'm going to show you the graves of the Lindsay men. And being the day that's in it, or the time that's in it, I'll have a lovely romantic story oh, for you. Lovely. All about love. Oh, oh let's yeah. go. I knew that again and all Okay, John, and just as we'd spoken about the quarry, here we are. Yeah, right in the middle of, and of course, it's open cast mining. That's why you find all these slag heaps around the place, um, because they have to dig down to get at it. But this was a huge industry that supported this area vastly. In fact, in the uh, 19th century and into the 20th century, 15,000 tonnes of slate was exported from here every year. And there was 500 people employed. And that's at a time, you know, when Ireland was in extreme poverty. Now, what's interesting is the slate that came from here, which was exported, was used in Ireland, it was also exported to the UK. It's called Killaloo slate. Now, why is it called Killaloo slate? Um, 
probably because it was exported through Killaloo, but it actually came from up here in the Ara Mountains. Now we'll, you know, we'll be trying to find out from the local Ara Historical Society here, because I also, a little bird told me that some of it was exported through Gary Kennedy, and that's why, in fact, there was a, a harbour down there in, Barry, in Gary Kennedy that was built down there, but it was certainly a massive industry. But the great thing is, Kiloran Slate from up here continues on. Now, I don't think they are mining it anymore, but what they are doing is, you went through periods in the Industrial Revolution, huge demand for slate, it was the only product. Then the new uh, artificial slates came in, True Tone came in and that, and there was no demand for it. But now people are going back to their roots. They are going back and they're, get, they're looking for this slate again, and Kiloran are taking old slate from old buildings across the country, I understand, and repurposing it here and creating jobs. So it's wonderful to see the industry going on. So what will happen with the site now? I mean, to look at it, it looks like a site that is kind of in operation at the moment, but what will happen? I imagine, well, yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, I mean, that is always the problem with open cast mining. What exactly do you do? How do you clean up the site? And one time, of course, if you look back, you just leave it where it was. Now, this site here has been repurposed to some extent because what happened is there was a very deep... Uh, depression here where the open cast mining went to its deepest. Unfortunately it filled up with water. It's a hundred feet of fresh water and that's perfect for diving. And of course the tradition has always been here with the Loch Derrick Subacqua Club. So now it's been run as a dive centre here and people can train here. So that is at least one, one of the benefits that comes through from this. Okay, where to next? Oh, we are going to, a, the, we had that little romantic story <laughs> still to come that you're looking forward to. Okay, let's it, go. go, go. So, John, our next stop here, then, is the graves of the Leinster men. Absolutely. Yeah, right up here. And you were looking for that lovely romantic story, weren't you? I was. Ah, Tell well, me. there you are. That's it. So, you see, one time there was this handsome king in Leinster. And he was the king of Leinster. And then he fell in love with a beautiful princess. And the beautiful princess was the daughter of Brian Baru, the high king of Ireland, who was also the king of Munster. So he decided he'd have to go and ask for her hand in marriage. So he set off with his retinue from Leinster down here into Munster and he was bringing lots of gifts with him as well. Now naturally enough, Brian Baru then of course wanted to know, well this fellow wants to marry my daughter. You know, I'll have to go out and meet him. So he came out and he met him here. And uh, Brian Baru uh, looked at your man and uh, somehow didn't like the cut of his jib and said, you know what, I don't think I'll uh, allow this, I wouldn't have this man marrying my daughter at all. And I want to make absolutely sure he doesn't marry my daughter. Uh, how do you think he did that? Killed him. Put it, cut his head off, Aww. absolutely. And uh, then he said, sure, when I when, when he saw what he had done, he said he'd do it to everyone. So they were, he killed a whole lot of them, killed the entire retinue here, and they were buried right here in this pass. So this is the graves of the Leinster men. So there you are. So you can always say, like the Taj Mahal, this is a monument to unrequited love. And did she love him? Uh, yeah, I'm sure she did. I mean, all the fairy stories yeah. do. It's just this... Uh, this father-in-law from hell that got into the way. So this <laughs> is the story of, I'm sure we get better better uh, Valentine's Day stories than that when we go back yeah. to Port Row. John, it's beautiful here, but I can't help but think, you know, 
I didn't know where it was mm. and I would have walked past it. It's a shame it's not a bigger monument, isn't well, it? Well, th- I think that is the whole thing. This is an area that hasn't really been promoted very well. I think there is more of an effort be- to do it now. I mean, up to recently what you had is loads of signs going basically and then people get here and there's nothing. Now, there is a, a, a map board here and a storyboard as well as that further up, but at the same time, I can we can do much more. And as well as that then, of course, it, there's a path up here then it, you're on a lovely r- route you can walk all the way up here from the lookout where we were earlier and then we can go to the top of Town Tinna Mountain and that's uh, and that's where we're going next. Lovely, let's go. Right. Okay, John, we've had to come in out of the shelter because we're here on the top of Town Tinna and it is absolutely roaring wind here actually this morning but it's absolutely spectacularly beautiful here isn't it as as is common on mountaintops yeah. i can assure you and this is one of the thing great things i suppose anybody who wants to come here you have been oon and aang all the way up with the views that are here yeah. and of course we'd say to anyone you know if you're not particularly fit and you want to visit a mountaintop this is one that you can get to because this is a drive-in mountaintop and it has some fantastic views and we're looking down there over the lake and then across to historic Mylusa, the highest mountain in Clare. Then we swing north over the Clare Hills here back towards Galway and Portumna up the lake, then the great central plain of Ireland then we have the Schlieve Blue Mountains which we can see there if we turn around the Devil's Bit and the Galtys away to the south. It's a most wonderful viewing point and you know I think far more people should visit it and it should really be much more of a tourist attraction. It should be on tourist itineraries in Ireland, particularly when it's so accessible. And then down under us there, we have Lagte Hill. They call it locally Clooney Bryan. But what is there, if you look at it closely, if you watch down there, you'll see you see the steel cross that's on top of it there. There's a steel cross, and that's the Millennium Cross. That was put here in the Millennium. And it replaced an earlier cross, which was put there for the Eucharistic Congress. I don't know if you heard about that, which was the great, that was the great high point of Catholicism in Ireland and of Eamon de Valera, who had had a touchy relationship with the Catholic Church during the War of Independence and the Civil War. And now there's this great reapprochement. And that cross was the stride, though. The Eucharistic cross was the stride in 1940. And this, then, is the, the beautiful cross looking down on the lake. And only recently, then, it has been discovered that this was actually a fort. It was actually a Bronze Age fort. And in those days, you were always subject to attack. You wanted to control your territory. You could do that from a high point, even if you find one of the downsides is that when you're up there, it's yeah. blooming cold but at least you're alive and all around that then was a defensive ring around here and as you can see it controlled the Shannon the great highway up the centre of Ireland all right from the Stone Age period right up to about 50 years ago and now has become a wonderful recreation thing and look at the way the wind is sweeping in there the mist is sweeping and clearing and coming again it is a most wonderful uh, view from up here so that's it then. What we have to do now is I think we head and we'll head to meet the people of Port Row. Absolutely. Let's go and we'll be live from Port Row after this break. 
Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067-24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Good morning and welcome live to Port Row here this morning. Happy Valentine's Day. Everyone say hi. And because it's Valentine's Day, we're going to start with a song. Off you go, choir. boss. Well done, everybody. Fantastic. <laughs> Alison Lawler, tell me about the choir here. Um, well, this choir um, was started in 2017 
um, as a folk choir in our church, uh, St Mary's of the Blessed Virgin, in here in Portrow. Um, but historically, there's always been choirs in Portrow. Um, I myself, as a child, would have sang in the choir in the 80s um, under Teresa Freeman. And um, it kind of is always a love of mine, liturgical yeah. music. Yeah. How often do you practice? So we meet every Wednesday um, at seven o'clock in the church in Portro, cup of tea afterwards. It's kind of grown into more than just a choir. It's yeah. friendship, it's, it's companionship, it's everything, you know, um, all in one, praising uh, the Lord and singing at Mass on Sundays. And tell me about the age demographic you have then in the choir. So the youngest, I think, is Connor. So we celebrated Connor's 18th last year. Happy birthday, Connor. <laughs> And um, I'm not allowed to give the age of the upper... <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. That's fair enough. That's great. Yeah. So I presume that you're always looking for new members. Always looking yeah. for new members. And you know what? All is welcome. Um, because um, it doesn't matter. Singing will, will happen if you, if you join yeah. in. And, yeah, and it's good for your mental health. This particular song now we sang is a, is, is a song that we, we... An air that we would sing at funerals. Yeah. Um, the London Derry Air, and um, we sing it to different lyrics. But today it's kind of more poignant because Mark and Michael Shouldice are both members of um, the Portrow Church Choir, yeah. and um, it's old Danny Boy, and this is Danny Shouldice's Hall. Yeah. It's also Valentine's Day, so it you know, so it kind of. It's three in one. It, yeah, it's amazing. And we're going to talk about maybe the history of Shouldice Hall later. Uh, once a huge dancing hall here in the locality as well. Um, I know it's being done up and we're going to talk about that as well. Lovely to talk to you this morning. Well done, choir. Thank you choir. so much, Alison. Fantastic job. <laughs> now, Mike, come on over here to me, creator. How are you? <laughs> Tell me about Portro, Mike. Tell you about Portro. Now, you start with the church. Go on. The present one is the third one on the site, and there wouldn't be a village of Portro only for the churches because there was absolutely nothing there, only a fort. Mm. And when the first church was built in the fort around 1750, give or take, that was the start of the village. And the site was donated by a local landlord, Watsons, of Gary Kennedy, who aren't here anymore. Mm. But like there have been several remarkable parish priests down through the years, but maybe the most remarkable fellow, or the fellow who was a bit of a fire-round fan, was a Father Milan. Who was parish priest? He's buried in front of the altar in Portrow. Right. And uh, he was parish priest here before, during, and after the famine. Yeah. Now, the PP before him farmed eight acres of land, but Father Milan managed to grow it to 29 acres of land. And Paddy Cody has done other research around the place. He's managed to grow that 29 to almost 60. Wow. Now, he managed to, how he managed to acquire all that, we don't know. Yeah. But he refused Pine Blank to pay his tithes. So when they weren't being paid, the minister arrived one day looking for them. And uh, he found Father Milan on a bad day. He was busy. He was ploughing a field. So one word led to another. A row started. He rolled the minister in the wet clay and uh, turned him upside down and took the money out of his pocket. Well, that probably didn't go down too well, I'd no. say. No. Yeah. minister went into Nina to the Catholic bishop in complaints so of Father Milan was carpeted. Right. And uh, bishop is supposed to have asked him, well, had you an altercation with the Protestant minister? I did, my lord. And did you rob him of his money? I did, my lord. Why did you take the three shillings and sixpence? Because was all he had, my lord. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Tell me about Port Row then as a village. I mean, even driving up through it, we've been up here a couple of days this week. I mean, it's. I'm always struck by the different character of every village we've been visiting, and Port Row is no different. It's really bustling for, for a village, isn't it? It is. I suppose maybe it bustled a lot more back in the 1960s when I was a child. Yeah. Like you had several shops, several pubs, and now there's only one pub in the village, and we're very, very lucky to have Gleason Spare, no relation, at the bottom of the village. Because if we didn't have that shop to get petrol, diesel, anything, we'd have to go to either Nina or Bellinair. Yeah. So we're extremely lucky to have it. I mean, we're hearing this all the time about um, the, the degradation, I suppose, of rural communities. Are you feeling that here as well in Portrow? Yeah, the, like the population of Portrow would be an awful lot bigger now yeah. than when I was a child. But like as regards shops and all that, a lot less. Yeah, I know. Janji is dying to ask you a question. Uh, well, Go on, and what do you think is about tourism, of isn't course. it? Of yeah. course. I mean, can tourism be the way to turn around this village? Do you see a future for it? I somehow feel that up here you have a huge potential, but people don't know about it and the tourists aren't pouring in. Would you have more potential, I wonder, maybe in Gary Kennedy? Yeah, well, I mean, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's actually nearer to the. Like, Gary Kennedy is more or less intact. Like, you had two pubs in Gary Kennedy when I was a child. They're still there. Yeah. Like, you had two pubs, sharp hardware up in the quarries. There's nothing there either. Mm. You know? Yeah, so you think that the growth centre would be Barry, Gary Kennedy. And yeah. But then tourism, you get spread effects as well. Yeah, that's right. We've been spending into all, you know, it raises all boats, doesn't yeah, it? it does. Yeah. 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 Mike, tell us about some of the communities then that you have running here in Portrow. Well, maybe we could pass on to other that's people. That's okay, sorry. I don't Jesus, want to I you with I, that, I don't want the <laughs> That's all right. We're going to move on to the Historical Society, of course, yeah. which is another important one. Derek Ryan, how are you? Hi, how's it going? You well? Don't be so nervous. I don't bite on Valentine's no worries, Day, so don't be too nervous. Yeah. Uh, Derek, tell me about the Historical Society. When was it set up? Yeah, we were set up in uh, 2017, um, and it kind of encompasses the whole area um, of Ara, which is Portro, Newtown, um, Bohor, into Ballina. So it's um, not just, you know, it's not just Portro, but I suppose historically and archaeologically, I suppose the area, you know, was all one at one stage, like, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, as I said earlier, um, I suppose it felt like it was just kind of pu pushing it open the door. There's so much interest in um, yeah. history and archaeology around this area, so it, it was uh, very easy to set up people, you know, normally you're struggling for numbers, but but but, but there's lots of people that, that yeah. had um, lots of varied um, experience and, uh, you know, interest to, 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 to join the group, you know. And what better place to set up a group? I mean, you were just surrounded by yeah. historical and archaeological um, artefacts here, aren't you? Yeah, very much so. I was just writing down some of them there, and it's just, yeah. there's no way we get through them all in, in a short space of time, but I suppose um, going back to kind of the prehistoric times, um, you know, kind of megalithic uh, type stuff like um, stone circles, and um, standing stones, that kind of stuff. It's probably one of the most important places in um, Tipperary uh, and uh, holds itself up with any um, in Ireland, I suppose. Um, there's a uh, you could have rattled through them, but there's 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 a stone circle. Um, we've got a kind of megalithic rock art, which was it's the only uh, example that's been found in in uh, Tipperary. Um, that's up at um, near the school at Lucian Tyrone. Um, there would be. Um, yeah, also, there's a stone row, uh, there's, there's kind of a hill fort, a Bronze Age hill fort at Loch Tay, where the Millennium Cross is when you walk out there. Most people wouldn't know about that, but um, these hill forts date back to uh, 4,000 years ago. Um, and it's likely that it was for kind of controlling the, the Shannon River, which was probably an, uh, for, for hundreds and, yeah, it was for thousands of years, it's been probably an archery of, of the country, like, you know, kind of like yeah. the old motorway people would have went on um, and water when, when the land was, you know, would have been too impassable, which would, um, you know, yeah. the, the roads wouldn't have been very good back in, in those yeah. days, you know, so, um, yeah, I suppose, and then just the, the society, um, we've, we, um, 
we, we, we joined a, a scheme with the Heritage Council called the um, Adopted Monument Scheme, and uh, we, we adopted the Graves of Lentisman, which is um, looking down over the Shannon, um, just to try and find out what, what, what that was. There's, there's lots of mythology and uh, legends about it, so we were just trying to find out more uh, scientifically, I suppose, what, what it's about. And uh, we've, um, we, we, we got funding from um, the Heritage Council and Tip County Council to carry out a few, um, a kind of a geophysical survey. It's something you might see on a time team where they yeah. kind of try to look under the ground without, without digging up, like, you know, the ground. So, and, uh, um, have you done that? Yeah, we've done that already. And, How did uh, that go? Well, uh, it, we, we, I suppose it, it, what's likely is that it's kind of a, a site that's gone back thousands of years and it has maybe been reused a few times. So it actually has made the map of what's underneath there very difficult to, to, um, to understand uh, and really to be 100% sure of what it is, you'd have to actually do an archaeological excavation, yeah. like, you know. But um, it definitely dates back a lot older than the story involving Brian Brew. Um, That's yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and, John? Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've been telling the unfortunate listeners of yeah. Tip FM a lovely romantic story yeah. about the King of Leinster falling in love with a beautiful princess yeah. down in uh, Munster mm -hmm. and the consequences at the graves yeah. of the Leinster men. But I think you kind of burst my bubble and said, this this is actually a, a Bronze Age site, so there's no there's romance no whatsoever. So yeah. sorry, Alison, because you were yeah. on and on, weren't you? Uh, but no, but I think I even just the fact that it's been associated with um, Brian Brew just shows how yeah. important it was. Like he was the High King of of Ireland at one stage. So um, and um, often um, kings like that would have liked to. Uh, get prestige from older sites like you know to show that they've been around for a long time you know so yeah, um, yeah so. like John we're always talking about that how all of this folklore and all these wonderful stories and I mean Derek went through so many sites there I mean why don't we all know about them a lot more than we do well that's right and I mean I mean I took you to the graves of the Lensaman yeah. for your first time ever yeah. and you were a proud temporary woman yeah. but you did say you were going to come back up here you yeah. were struck by it. well when you have to look out and then you have Port Village, Gary Kennedy on one side the wonderful walks uh, Lacte Hill up there town tinner and I promote that because I used to do a lot of hill walking and it's the only drive-in mountaintop I know yeah. in Ireland with a magnificent view so I mean we should be promoting it that people can get to a mountaintop I think that's unique in Ireland that you can drive and park on a mountaintop yeah. I think there's an enormous amount here but we have to get the message yeah. out. Derek that I'm sure a lot of people um, they mightn't have the ingenuity maybe to delve into the history of the area like you do but I'm, I'm sure they love to read the results of it can they do that is there um, kind of online yeah. articles? Well, yeah, we, we also um, we, we run a journal here, a local historical journal, and um, that's been going for four years. So that's called the um, the Annals of Arras. So that's that's available um, online at our, our website or our two local um, uh, stores here as well. Like you know, so so a lot of what we do it goes in there, and it's it's not just archaeology; it's lots of uh, you know um, uh, social history as well. You know, yeah. we we we, um, we do some interviews of, of uh, older people in the area, and you know they they, they talk about supposed you know going back to all the farming practices. I, I think I saw a book in the post office as well. Did I? Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's what I was like, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's it. it the, the, like I said, the archaeology and history spans thousands of years. It's um, another thing that's unique to the area is um, in our graveyards, there's um, a unique kind of uh, artwork on, on some of the slate um, stone uh, graveyards from the 1800s. Um, and they're kind of linked in with the slate quarries here. We, yeah. we think that um, the, some of the stonemasons there would also have, um, you know, they would have been experts with stone and they would have also had their own unique kind of style of um, uh, motifs or um, iconography on the, um, on the stone, uh, um, on the, the gravestones, like, you know, mm. and uh, they're, they're I, I find it fascinating. Like, yeah. there's all, they have all, you know, there's all these different stories involved that, uh, on, uh, the, the, you know, in a kind of a, 
uh, graphical way, like you know, because probably back then people wouldn't have been able to, um, you know, like in you demonstrating know. how they died. Uh, no, more about about uh, generally about religion, and right. uh, you know, um, one of them has uh, Saint Patrick um, uh, banishing the saints, uh, the snakes from Ireland, you know, this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and um, there, there's um, others. Then um, I suppose there's an old uh, story about uh, the the cock and the pot relating to the um, the resurrection of Jesus. Like you know, it's an old Irish story that that isn't everywhere, and that that's 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 carved on some of the stone, stones in a supposed to. The wider area. Oh, so, yeah. And will you eventually? Do you, do you think you'll ever get the full story of the of the Gravesville incident? And You're very bothered by this, aren't you? You're very bothered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to find out. I want yeah. the skeleton of a beautiful lady yeah. to be found down there and wash away. Careful the now, John. Yeah. Careful. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose we've made we've made great progress in what we've done, and we're not going to let it go anyway. We'll definitely try and yeah. try and do more with it. Like you know, um, recently we um, we upgraded the um, the information board there, which had previously was you know, it's kind of hadn't got that much on it. Like you know, with our latest results so yeah. if anyone's up there they'll be able to get you know a little bit of information you know yeah. as they're enjoying the beautiful views of, of nice of to have lake, a little so, bit of yeah. mystery to it too as well, well yeah there? that's it you know yeah. and, and everyone loves the you know the romance, romance of a good, le yeah, of yeah. A good legend like, you do. know so yeah. Derek lovely to talk to you this thanks morning so thanks so much um, because of where we are then yep all of us thanks Derek we're in Schuldice's Hall, and if the walls could talk about the romance stories I'm sure I mean we'd be here all day Michael Schulder, it's lovely to meet you. And lovely to meet you all, and I would like to welcome everybody here today. Tell us about the history of the hall. Well, the, the hall here had two projects in mind. One was to build a sawmill, and the other was to build a dance hall. And um, so in 1938, he built his sawmill, and he was able to get power generation equipment with it, which worked then for the next 16 years to give lighting to the dance hall, which he built in 1939. Fantastic. And the hall opened on the 8th of October, 1939. And... Um, Ran for 40 years, was it? Yes, it did. The late 30s, all the 40s, all the 50s, 60s, and closed eventually in the early 70s. My goodness. And I can imagine all... I'm sure a lot of local couples are together because of this dance hall. Yes, actually, when it was known that I was doing some work on the hall here, several people came in who had been here as younger people and middle-aged people and said, well, they could identify for people sat who met whom. And, and then they spoke about meeting their partners here and very often their parents meeting their partners here. That's lovely. I mean, 1979, it did, I suppose, signify the end of that kind of social dancing and going to halls for dancing. It kind of went to pubs and nightclubs then a little bit. Yeah. It makes you a bit maybe nostalgic for times like that, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, it, it does. It does. But it, everything was changing and advancing. Yeah, we don't like change, though, Mike. I suppose we don't. <laughs> but then people were more free to travel. Yeah. The education system was working, and many things were changing. And so that in that environment, you know, the age maybe of dancing locally came gradually to an end. Mm. And with it then, I suppose, the whole, um, I suppose, went to sleep, hibernated for a little while, but now it's being reinvigorated again and reawakened again. Tell us about the work that's going on here. Yes, well, something which impressed me always was the work which was done in the beginning was done totally manually. Mm. No modern machines of any kind to provide what we take for granted today. So the men who worked with my father and their, some of their relatives are here, and some people here who are, worked with my father when the hall was extended in the mid-50s, and I would like to pay a very special thanks to those people who were there at each stage. 
Yeah, because mm. I mean, a lot of work went into it, didn't it? Y yes, yeah. it did. Yes, it did. And it's full of history and full of memories and people love to come in and talk about them. And tell me, what's the plan then for the future? Once the work is done and it's developed, what would you like to see happen? Well, I suppose uh, what we're really saying is that it's work in progress. Yeah. It's going to take another while to bring it to a conclusion. But the kind of needs that exist today are somewhat different than they were then. Yeah. And uh, people like to be comfortable, and the things that they want to be involved in generally require a cosy place. Yeah, and uh, that's the main thing. Tell me about some of the big bands that played here, because there were some big names. Oh, yes. A bit yes. before my time now, Michael, but <laughs> I'm sure some people might recognise them. Yes, well, uh, um, a local band which was particularly um, fruitful, uh, but really, really good, was the Bridge Cayley Band. And they played here regularly and were at the operated at the very highest level. Then you had the Johnny Cummins Cayley Band from Ross Grey, the Tully Cayley Band from Clare, yeah. the Gallo Glass Cayley Band from Wicklow played here, um, the Ockram Slopes Cayley Band from Galway, the Kieran Kelly Cayley Band from Athlone, the Maliki Sweeney Cayley Band from Armagh. Wow, and that's just a few of them, and isn't it? And then Mick Dell played here as well. Fantastic. He was the one with all the romances. He was yeah. the beginning genre. Yeah. Yeah. So that it was a transition then from the late 30s through the 40s. And in that period as well, my father operated a cinema here as well. Really? Through all that period. Wow. So his projection equipment was just over my head there. Yeah. And the screen was uh, up there where the, st the stage was there. It's very exciting to see new life coming into it again, though, isn't it? You uh, must be very proud. Yeah, yes, indeed. And I'm delighted with the level of interest that people are expressing in the work. Yeah. Um, and and, and um, people have been welcome to see it and people come in and talk about it. Yeah. And it is generating lots of discussion. It is. Mike, lovely to talk to you this morning. Uh, sorry, John, did you want yeah, to come in? Yeah, I mean, I must wonder, in those days the church was powerful. What happened during Lent? Were you all sitting <laughs> at home looking into the fire? What well, happened? <laughs> there were some special times of the year. Lent was one of them. Okay, so there was no dancing during Lent unless St. Patrick's Night or the 17th of March, and that was one of the very big nights of the year. Okay, as was St. Stephen's Night and the 1st of January, New Year's Night. Okay, so during Lent then, different travelling groups came here to perform their plays on the stage there. You had uh, Cormac Brothers, the Carrickfords, and I think there was one other group as well, which just name doesn't come to mind at the moment. Mm. But they would have come in the mid-50s, 55, 56, 57. And they were hugely supported by local people and from local parishes. They were what we call the fit-ups, weren't yeah. they? Yes. Yes, yes, indeed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. And just one other little thing about yeah. the dancing. During the summertime, uh, they had a platform out here beside it. Uh, so that when dancing wasn't taking place in the hall, the platform operated. Oh, fantastic. Mike, lovely to talk to you today. I know we could stay all day here, yes. so thanks very yes. much. I know you want to quickly thank a few people, yes. don't yes. you? I want to play um, a very special thanks to the people whose uh, families worked here with my parents, OK? I want to say special thanks to Martin McKenna and Tommy Meany, who had worked with my father in the reconstruction of the hall in the mid-50s. And I want to play a very special thanks to Jane Quinlan from the Annals of Ara, who researched the information about the opening, mm. and to Eileen Minogue, um, um, Paddy O'Brien's daughter. Lovely. Michael, thanks so much. A bula bus there for Michael. Thanks a million. Now, as we were speaking about a little earlier and uh, during our little walkabout as well, the quarries, of course, played a huge role in the history and the heritage of Port Row. Uh, Jim Ryan, how are you?
I am very well, thanks. Good man. You are, I'm told, one of the last people to work in the quarries here. Is that right? Yes, that's right. I worked for 12 months, roughly, right. until 1949 when the strike came in. Mm. You know, so... Uh, what was it like? Well, the qu quarry was going well, like, but the thing about the quarry was that it was too hard to get the stone out. Yeah. They didn't strip it back far enough, and so... It was, uh, the spring was coming up from the quarry, not the rain coming in, and they had to use pumps. So, 13 weeks strike, then the quarry uh, filled up, so that was their excuse to cancel the quarry. I think the Tubex and all that came in then, that was easier, yeah. you know, so they were more interested in that. So, a lot of people, like, it did start up a bit after that, in the 51 or 2 or whatever. But it never became a success, you know. Yeah. It was always going to be n no goal. Yeah. And was it the artificial slates as well that were competing with you at that stage well, against the natural yeah, tiles and slates coming in from Spain and wherever, mm. you know. Mm. And, uh, like, the, as I said, the tiles were a big thing because they were mass-produced. And you had a huge mudslide there as well. When we went up there, I didn't think about this with Alison. We were up at looking at the quarries. She said, this place was always like, was there ever kind of an avalanche here? And I said, well, I don't know anything about it. I came in this morning, and that contributed to the closing of the quarry. Was there a main, yeah. a main a, a, a slide into the open cast mine? Yeah, well, yeah. there was a man killed there. He, um, he was next door to us above. And uh, the slide came down and caught him in the bottom and killed oh, no. him, yeah. So like Aberfan in Wales. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, well it wouldn't be as big as that, yes. but, it, you know. But, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, when I was there, like, and my father was one of the main, like, he was a skilled slate man. And uh, I got into the quarry at 15 because of him. <laughs> and I st stayed there until the end of the strike, Yeah, you know. And, and it was extremely labour-intensive, wasn't it? Oh, when it was. was, was yeah. It had to be done by hand, so that created jobs. Exactly. Oh, it was great. But, I mean, they had the uh, big saws over from Germany, the diamond uh, saws. I used to take over a bottle of tea to my father in his sock. <laughs> <laughs> and the knives of that diamond saw, I mean, the two big ones. And, uh, you know, they were well organized. Yeah. It, was a, it was a big job. And you went to England then for a while. I did. But you I... had a dream in your head about what you were going to do when you come back. Tell <laughs> me about yeah. that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, as things went here, you know, there was no, no uh, proper industry or anything and my brother had gone to England so he gave he sent me 20 quid that was a tenor to come over and a tenor to come back and being the youngest of the five brothers my mother expected me back yeah but anyway if you think I, I won't hold you too long but I'll say when we came here to Chelsea's Hall like we'd manage on a Sunday night maybe whatever it was a shilling or whatever and that was our week gone. Yeah. And then when we came here, the women would be lined up along there. Waiting for you. And the boys would be lined here. And my mother used to play the concertina, so we were able to dance. Right. Well, if you went over there and asked a woman and you weren't able to dance, you wouldn't get a woman. <laughs> so you had to dance. So you had to... So there was three things you had to have to get a woman here in Chelsea's Hall. Go on, you so had you had to, to dance. You had to dance. If she fancied you, you could take her for a mineral in there. Look at his laughing up right. there. And then 
the Rolls Royce of everything if you had a bike with a crossbar. Oh my God! <laughs> and if you had a basket, I mean, they go mad all together for you. Look at what you missed out on, Alice. I tell you, simpler times. So that we need to go back to that. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I know we're going to come back to you again in a yeah. minute because you're going to sing us out with the, the song of yeah. Portrait. That's an important song to you, I know, because oh, you're involved is. in that. Oh, I, I, I got the song as a poem. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Lines was the man. And um, my, my auntie above, in, like the husband died young, I used to have to go up and collect the eggs for her and all that. Yeah. And he heard me singing around the house and he said, Jim, I'm going to compose a song for you. Yeah. But you'll have to put the air to it. And there's another song as well he composed for me. It's about the strike in the oh, quarry. Right. But nobody ever heard that one. Well, <laughs> hopefully if we have time today, we might. Yeah. Uh, warm up those vocal cards, because I'll be back to you in a few minutes. Oh, yeah, uh, but a boule bus anyway for Jim Thank there you. before we come back to him. Uh, Simon, we're going to talk about Gary Kennedy now as well, because as we know, tourism, a big uh, part of, of what goes on here and a big draw for people to come into the area as well. And Gary Kennedy, of course, in the parish. Yes, Alison, it's actually a Townsend and it's also a little hamlet uh, yeah. of approximately about 300 people in the Townsend. But within the actual village, there's about 10 houses facing onto the harbour fronts uh, with nine people approximately living in those 10 houses. Mm. Um, we have two magnificent uh, uh, facilities uh, in terms of uh, on the water being the harbours and the marina. Um, we have um, plenty of walkways uh, where loads of wildlife from mallards to cormorants to um, walkways where people actually can have wheelchair access. All this was actually put in in about um, 2021 uh, in consultation with the government department and obviously the council, county council. Yeah. Um, you have the, the boat club and the fishing club We have, well. yes. Uh, the boat and fishing club was actually formed in 1974 um, with uh, permission and kind uh, uh, from a new family who, who gave land down there to, to the boat club and the fishing club. There's a sailing club there which was formed in 1985. Um, we have two uh, facilities for food and drink, namely Larkins of Gary Kendi, ran by Maura and Cormac Boyle, and we have Sis Rhines, uh, which is um, Denise and Rye Breen. Um, and after that, basically, I suppose we have our castle there. Yeah. Um, that was called many, many different names over the years. Um, one was Castle Gare, it was called, and we believe that it may have been the translation from Cashlon Gare, meaning a short castle, to actually uh, Slanger Castle, which we believe Slanger meant that there was illegal selling of liquor and so on. And maybe this came about when the Guinness barges came into Gary Kennedy and maybe they tapped the odd barrel and ah. gave them out to the locals. Yeah. We also had a Shebeen there, uh, farther up, uh, Cobby McGrath ran a Shebeen. So, um, there's, yes, there's, there's plenty of activity yeah. um, on the village end, looking out onto the lake. We can see the wonderful rolling hills of Clare across in Whitegate. Yeah. We can see County Galway, which is in over in Willemstown. We have Isle of Moor, which is a magnificent uh, uh, island. We have Holy Island off to yeah. the west, up Scarif and so on. Uh, and also then if one fancies uh, a good long walk, you can head off over towards Cornode and do the... Um, there's a beautiful walk.
back over there. Fairly rough terrain, all right, in uh, terms of Castlock Woods, which uh, is all around the Deer Park, which yeah. was all part of the big estate that was actually over there. Yeah. And then a little bit farther on, then you have Castlock, uh, which is a little beach and a play area for, for the grounds. But you're just blessed around we're, here, aren't we you? Are, we are, we are, yeah. yes, yeah. But of course, Gary Kindy in the summer really is, is a yeah. hive of activity where you have so many people coming, all the different cruisers coming in yeah. uh, from, from everywhere. Um, it just brings it to life again, doesn't it? It, it does, it yeah. does, it does. I'll yes. have to leave it there for this morning because I'm running out of time, Simon. But thanks so much, Abula Bus for Simon. And we're going to go, of course, every village we go to. Should we love the Ga, don't we, Tom? We love Ab the Ga. Absolutely. Now, the Ga, and the Ga is very strong here in Portru. Um, I've no doubt. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I've, I've often heard that when people play Portru, they do remember playing Portru. So, yeah. They do good. have a reputation down south. Yeah, but good. It's good oh, reputation. Good, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And a uh, very active club. Um, we have uh, Juvenile, uh, Camogie, our senior, and most recently Ladies Football. So, it's a very active club. A lot of, a lot of people helping out, uh, which is badly needed in a, in a community. Yeah, and you're intermediate this year, isn't it? We are, yeah. Thanks, Alison, for <laughs> mentioning that. We're yeah. intermediate too, Tom. It's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, no, we're back intermediate, um, but we'll, um, we're back training and uh, we're, we're ready for the fight again. So, yeah. How are you doing for numbers? I know we were talking about that before. It's, it's something a lot of clubs are really um, struggling with at the moment. Are you struggling in terms of that? I mean, a lot of clubs looking at amalgamating. You hate to see it, but you want to keep them playing, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. No, at the moment we're okay with numbers, but it, it is coming down the line. Um, I think you mentioned earlier there with other speakers um, what can we do for this area but we do need housing in yeah. this area badly I know it is a, it is, this is a lovely part of the country um, it's nearly a hidden secret as far as I'm concerned Absolutely. and it should be getting out more but we need to get people living here and I do think the bridge in Killaloo will start opening up this side of the country do you and think? I, well I hope so because it's going to be easier access to get to these areas yeah. and uh, I'm hoping that maybe the powers will be there in the local government that might allow more housing in the side of the country. Tell me about the development in the pitch as well, because I know you're planning a walkway around there too, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. We, we got a chance there a couple of years ago during COVID. Um, land came available adjacent to the club and we purchased it. And we're now going to have a walkway, which is badly needed as well, because we want to kind of get everyone involved in the club. Of because course. you mentioned there a while ago, there was only one shop and one pub. Well, we want to kind of make the GA, the hub of the town. So we have a walkway coming, we have a car park, we're going to uh, make the two pitches bigger and we're also going to hopefully get a community cafe That'd for people amazing. that could come in and do their walk in the morning, all ages, young and old, um, and people that are even gone from GA yeah. that can be involved and have a cup of coffee after us. All the best with it and all the best for the year ahead. Don't worry, you'll enjoy Intermediate. Thank you, Alison. We'll, we'll look forward to meeting right. you. <laughs> Thanks a million, <laughs> Okay, would you believe we're out of time? That absolutely flew. So I'm going to go, ha go back to Jim because we're going to finish out with a song. Are you ready for me, Jim? <laughs> Good man. First of all, I just want to thank everyone here at Port Row for such a great welcome for myself and John this morning. You've all been fantastic, all right? Uh, thanks for having us. Do we need... Are you, you're ready. You don't need to clear the throat or anything. You're good to go. Look at you. You're born ready. Whenever you're ready. The other day as I did stray along the Shannon shore And as it came into my mind the country to explore 
I stood upon the hill of Port, where I had a splendid view to crown the lovely scenery round the village of Port And as I looked down... And there we leave uh, the beautiful scenery in the beautiful village of uh, Port Rue. And what an excellent piece there from uh, Ali and all the team up in uh, Port Rue today. That's part of our village tour. All right, then we're heading towards news and we'll be back to you. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, fuck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, fuck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Paul, and uh, welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. We've been talking about romantic uh, movies, and uh, Gerald, let me see, one of our listeners on to say, um, I don't always like rom-coms, but I really enjoyed the comedy and the chemistry in The Ugly Truths uh, with the underrated actress Catherine Hegel and uh, Gerald Butler as well, one I'm not familiar with, but I must have a look. Quite a few people on to us about Madam X, the movie, saying it's a classic and it's wonderful, and somebody taking exception <laughs> to what we were saying about Greece and Danny and Sandy and all of that. And Amelia says... Uh, Danny changed himself for her too because they both wanted to be together. So there you go. The romance of it all, isn't it? Is that wonderful? Tom was on to say as well that St. Valentine um, is the patron saint of epilepsy. I didn't realise that, Tom, and thank you for that as well. Uh, the Proposal is a good movie, says uh, Patrick to us uh, today. And lots of people pointing out my... Um, a mistake there by saying it was Meryl Streep and some like it hot. Of course, it was Marilyn Monroe, and thank you for that, but it was one of the great movies, I think, of all time, even besides it being romantic or a rom-com. It's just a very, very fine movie indeed. All right, then, it's time for a village tour. The Tipperary Village Tour, funded by Commission Naman, with the television licence fee. Okay, John, the next stop on our village tour. We're still north of the county and a little bit further up the river. We're in Port Road this week at the most beautiful lookout point. Yeah, absolutely. And tell me you've never been here before. Never been here. Don't I bring it to wonderful places? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, this is the lookout and we're just west of Port Row Village. So it's a beautiful place and we're looking right out on the lake all the way across there to over Silly Island to uh, Mount Shannon. And we're looking up the lake then as well towards um, Castle, the Castle Lock Estate and that's the Deer Park there. And that was then, of course, in the ascendancy period, you would have, that was a parker, that was the Parker Estate. That's where Castle Lock House, they were the people who were the uh, randies there. And right out then there, pointing out onto the lake, we see that then called after them, of course, is Parker Point. And I mentioned that the last day, but we're looking at the place now. Do you, do you remember the 45M, the boat that yes, sank? Well, yeah. that's exactly where it sank out there. And it sank in a storm. And when you see it in such, you know, the river today, it's calm, mm. it's beautiful, it's harmless. We're looking at a the great sweep of the river, but it seems almost as if you could swim across it. But I'll tell you, when it gets stormy, and the thing was, they were in Gary Kennedy, and they were it wasn't too bad in there. But when they were coming out along then, once they came around that point there, they were hit by a full gale. And, of course, they had what you call a narrow boat, which is a canal boat, and they're basically built for canals, so they can't really overturn. 
you know. Um, but, but when it comes in to a lake like this, they're much more unstable, and they were hit by the full force of the gale there, and the boat sank there. But the, 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 And three people were lost, as I said, the last day. But actually, what I didn't have time to tell you the last day was, the boat was actually raised later on. It was restored. And a man that our older listeners will all remember, I don't think you do, Alison, but Roland, like me, will remember, is Dick Warner. And he was a great environmentalist when it wasn't fashionable to be an environmentalist. And he got that boat and he sailed it in a commemorative voyage all the way down along the canal. And then in calm weather, they waited for, they came down along here and they stopped there and they threw flowers into the ocean where the three people were lost. And the boat has now been restored. So that was, uh, that was great. But, you know, it's wonderful here. And of course, in those days, this was a busy sh- commercial shipping lane right up to the 50s and 60s where goods are going up and down. Then railways and 18-wheeler trucks and all that began to take the business from them. And now it has a new purpose. It's recreational. And I think we haven't made full be- you know, benefit from it yet. Mm-hmm. But there's hope for the future because up through here, the Lockdown Way is becoming more popular. And now there are plans for a greenway that will go all the way up from Ballina up to Drummondier, which should be great in itself. But yeah. not only that, it's to cross the river then and link with another greenway that will bring it to Limerick. That greenway is planned then to, to, to link with the West Limerick Greenway. And in fact, you go all the way to Phoenix down in Kerry to the West Coast. And that's the thing I think that will happen in the long run. As we get more greenways, we'll be able to integrate them. And I would love to see a day where you can leave from, from Dublin and you can cycle off off-road and cycle all the way and visit virtually every county and come back. We're not there yet, but we're going in that direction. But I think the greenways are a wonderful innovation and this one should popularise this place hugely. So tell me, what are we going to look at here in Portro today? What we're going to do then is we're going to go up and we'll look at that. There's a, was a tr- this was never too, too poor an area. Well, obviously the land is good, but not only that, they were lucky. They had natural resources and the natural resource here was slate. And in the 19th century, the demand for slate in the Industrial Revolution was huge. Now, afterwards, you know, in the 20th century declined when you got artificial slates. But at that stage, and you know, we were, it was being exported from here. We're going to look at that. And then I'm going to go on, I'm going to show you the graves of the Linsome men. And being the day that's in it, or the time that's in it, I'll have a lovely romantic story oh, for you. Lovely. All about love. Oh, oh let's yeah. go. I knew that would get an Okay, John, and just as we'd spoken about the quarry, here we are. Yeah, right in the middle of, and of course, it's open cast mining. That's why you find all these slag heaps around the place, um, because they have to dig down to get at it. But this was a huge industry that supported this area vastly. In fact, in the uh, 19th century and into the 20th century, 15,000 tonnes of slate was exported from here every year. And there was 500 people employed. And that's at a time, you know, when Ireland was in extreme poverty. Now, what's interesting is the slate that came from here, which was exported, was used in Ireland. It was also exported to the UK. It's called Killaloo slate. Now, 
why is it called Killaloo Slate? Um, probably because it was exported through Killaloo, but it actually came from up here in the Ara Mountains. Now we'll, you know, we'll be trying to find out from the local Ara Historical Society here, because I also, a little bird told me that some of it was exported through Gary Kennedy, and that's why, in fact, there was a, a harbour down there in, Barry, in Gary Kennedy that was built down there, but it was certainly a massive industry. But the great thing is, Kiloran Slate from up here continues on. Now, I don't think they are mining it anymore, but what they are doing is, you went through periods in the Industrial Revolution, huge demand for slate, it was the only product. Then the new uh, artificial slates came in, True Tone came in and that, and there was no demand for it. But now people are going back to their roots. They are going back and they're, get, they're looking for this slate again, and Kiloran are taking old slate from old buildings across the country, I understand, and repurposing it here and creating jobs. So it's wonderful to see the industry going on. So what will happen with the site now? I mean, to look at it, it looks like a site that is kind of in operation at the moment, but what will happen? I Well, that's it. I mean, you know, I mean, that is always the problem with open-cast mining. What exactly do you do? How do you clean up the site? And one time, of course, if you look back, you just leave it where it was. Now, this site here has been repurposed to some extent because what happened is there was a very deep... Uh, depression here where the open cast mining went to its deepest and fortunately it filled up with water it's a hundred feet of fresh water and that's perfect for diving and of course the tradition has always been here with the Loch Derrick Sub Aqua Club so now it's been run as a dive centre here and people can train here so that is at least one, one of the benefits that comes through from this. Okay where to next? Oh we're going to a, the, we had that little romantic story <laughs> still to come that you're looking forward to. Okay, let's it, go. go, go. So, John, our next stop here, then, is the Graves of the Leinstermen. Absolutely. Yeah, right up here. And you were looking for that lovely romantic story, weren't you? I was. Uh, well, me. there you are. That's it. So, you see, one time there was this handsome king in Leinster. And he was the king of Leinster. And then he fell in love with a beautiful princess. And the beautiful princess was the daughter of Brian Baru, the high king of Ireland, who was also the king of Munster. So he decided he'd have to go and ask for her hand in marriage. So he set off with his retinue from Leinster down here into Munster, and he was bringing lots of gifts with him as well. Now, naturally enough, Brian Baru then, of course, wanted to know, well, this fellow wants to marry my daughter. You know, I'll have to go out and meet him. So he came out and he met him here. And uh, Brian Baru uh, looked at your man and uh, somehow didn't like the cut of his jib and said, you know what, I don't think I'll uh, allow this, I wouldn't have this man marrying my daughter at all. And I want to make absolutely sure he doesn't marry my daughter. Uh, how do you think he did that? Killed him. Put he cut his head off, Aww. absolutely. And uh, then he said, sure, when I when, when he saw what he had done, he said he'd do it to everyone. So they were, he killed a whole lot of them, killed the entire retinue here, and they were buried right here in this pass. So this is the graves of the Leinster men. So there you are. So you can always say, like the Taj Mahal, this is a monument to unrequited love. And did she love him? Uh, yeah, I'm sure she did. I mean, all the fairy stories yeah. do. It's just this... Uh, this father-in-law from hell that got into the way. So this <laughs> is the story of, I'm sure we'll get better better uh, Valentine's Day stories than that when we go back yeah. to Port Row. John, it's beautiful here, but I can't help but think, you know, 
I didn't know where it was mm. and I would have walked past it. It's a shame it's not a bigger monument, isn't well, it? Well, th- I think that is the whole thing. This is an area that hasn't really been promoted very well. I think there is more of an effort be- to do it now. I mean, up to recently what you had is loads of signs going basically and then people get here and there's nothing. Now, there is a, a, a map board here and a storyboard as well as that further up. But at the same time, I can we can do much more. And as well as that then, of course, it, there's a path up here then you're on a lovely route you can walk all the way up here from the lookout where we were earlier and then we can go to the top of Town Tinna Mountain and that's uh, and that's where we're going next lovely let's go okay John we've had to come in out of the shelter because we're here on the top of Town Tinna and it is absolutely roaring wind here actually this morning but it's absolutely spectacularly beautiful here isn't it as as is common on mountaintops yeah. i can assure you and this is one of the thing great things i suppose anybody who wants to come here you have been oon and aang all the way up with the views that are here yeah. and of course we'd say to anyone you know if you're not particularly fit and you want to visit a mountaintop this is one that you can get to because this is a drive-in mountaintop and it has some fantastic views and we're looking down there over the lake and then across to historic Mylusa, the highest mountain in Clare. Then we swing north over the Clare Hills here back towards Galway and Portumna up the lake, then the great central plain of Ireland then we have the Schlieve Blue Mountains which we can see there if we turn around the Devil's Bit and the Galtys away to the south. It's a most wonderful viewing point and you know I think far more people should visit it and it should really be much more of a tourist attraction. It should be on tourist itineraries in Ireland, particularly when it's so accessible. And then down under us there, we have Lagte Hill. They call it locally Clooney Bryan. But what is there, if you look at it closely, you, if you watch down there, you'll see you see the steel cross that's on top of it there. There's a steel cross, and that's the Millennium Cross. That was put here in the Millennium. And it replaced an earlier cross, which was put there for the Eucharistic Congress. I don't know if you heard yeah, about that. Yeah. Which was the great, that was the great high point of Catholicism in Ireland and of Eamon de Valera who had, had a touchy relationship with the Catholic Church during the War of Independence and the Civil War and now there's this great reapprochement and that cross was destroyed, though. The Eucharistic cross was destroyed in 1940. And this, then, is the, the beautiful cross looking down on the lake. And only recently, then, it has been discovered that this was actually a fork. It was actually a Bronze Age fork. And in those days, you were always subject to attack. You wanted to control your territory. You could do that from a high point, even if you find one of the downsides is that when you're up there, it's yeah. blooming cold but at least you're alive. And all around that then was a defensive ring around here. And as you can see, it controlled the Shannon, the great highway up the centre of Ireland, all right from the Stone Age period right up to about 50 years ago and now has become a wonderful recreation thing. And look at the way the wind is sweeping in there, the mist is sweeping and clearing and coming again. It is a most wonderful uh, view from up here. So that's it then. What we have to do now is I think we head and we'll head to meet the people of Portro. Absolutely. Let's go and we'll be live from Portro after this break.
Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Puck On, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Good morning and welcome live to Port Row here this morning. Happy Valentine's Day. Everyone say hi. And because it's Valentine's Day, we're going to start with a song. Off you go, choir. boss. Well done, everybody. Fantastic. Alison Lawler, tell me about the choir here. 
Um, well, this choir um, was started in 2017 um, as a folk choir in our church, uh, St Mary's of the Blessed Virgin, in here in Portro. Um, but historically, there's always been choirs in Portro. Um, I myself, as a child, would have sang in the choir in the 80s um, under Teresa Freeman, and um, it kind of is always a love of mine, liturgical yeah. music. Yeah. How often do you practice? So we meet every Wednesday um, at seven o'clock in the church in Portro, cup of tea afterwards. It's kind of grown into more than just a choir. It's yeah. friendship, it's, it's companionship, it's everything, you know, um, all in one, praising uh, the Lord and singing at Mass on Sundays. And tell me about the age demographic you have then in the choir. So the youngest, I think, is Connor. So we celebrated Connor's 18th last year. Happy birthday, Connor. And um, I'm not allowed to give the age of the upper... <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. That's fair enough. That's great. Yeah. So I presume that you're always looking for new members. Always looking yeah. for new members. And you know what? All is welcome. Um, because um, it doesn't matter. Singing will will happen if you if you join yeah. in, and yeah, and it's good for your mental health. This particular song now we sang is a, is is a song that we we an air that we would sing at funerals, yeah. um, the London Derry air, and um, we sing it to different lyrics. But today it's kind of more poignant because Mark and Michael Shouldes are both members of um, the Portro Church Choir, yeah. and um, it's old Danny Boy. And this is Danny Shouldice's hall. Yeah. It's also Valentine's Day, so, it you know, so it kind of is three in one. It, yeah, it's amazing. And we're going to talk about maybe the history of Shouldice Hall later, uh, once a huge dancing hall here in the locality as well. Um, I know it's being done up and we're going to talk about that as well. Lovely to talk to you this morning. Well done, Thank you choir. So much, Alison. Fantastic job. <laughs> now, Mike, come on over here to me, creator. How are you? <laughs> Tell me about Portro, Mike. Tell you about Portro. Maybe start with the church. Go on. The first one is the third one on the site, and there wouldn't be a village of Portro only for the churches because there was absolutely nothing there, only a fort. Mm. And when the first church was built in the fort around 1750, give or take, that was the start of the village. And the site was donated by a local landlord, Watsons, of Gary Kennedy, who aren't here anymore. Mm. But like there have been several remarkable parish priests down through the years, but maybe. The most remarkable fellow, or the fellow who was a bit of a fire-round fan, was a Father Milan, who was parish priest. He's buried in front of the altar in Portro. Right. And uh, he was parish priest here before, during, and after the famine. Yeah. Now, the PP before him farmed eight acres of land, but Father Milan managed to grow it to 29 acres of land. And Paddy Cody has done other research around the place. He's managed to grow that 29 to almost 60. Wow. Now, he managed to, how he managed to acquire all that, we don't know. Yeah. But he refused point blank to pay his tithes. So when they weren't being paid, the minister arrived one day looking for them. And uh, he found Father Milan on a bad day. He was busy. He was plowing a field. So one word led to another. A row started. He rolled the minister in the wet clay and uh, turned him upside down and took the money out of his pocket. Well, that probably didn't go down too well, I'd No. Yeah. Minister went into Nina to the Catholic bishop in complaints so Father Milan was carpeted. Right. And the uh, bishop is supposed to have asked him, well, had you an altercation with the Protestant minister? I did, my lord. And did you rob him of his money? I did, my lord. Why did you take the three shillings and sixpence? Because for all he had, my lord. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me 
about Port Rowe as a village? I mean, even driving up through it, we've been up here a couple of days this week. I mean, it's, I'm always struck by the different character of every village we've been visiting, and Port Rowe is no different. It's really bustling for, for a village, isn't it? It is, I suppose, maybe it bustled a lot more back in the 1960s when I was a child. Yeah. Like you had several shops, several pubs, and now there's only one pub in the village, and we're very, very lucky to have Lisa Spare, no relation, at the bottom of the village. Because if we didn't have that shop to get petrol, diesel, anything, we'd have to go to either Nina or Bellinay. Yeah. So we're extremely lucky to have it. I mean, we're hearing this all the time about um, the, the degradation, I suppose, of rural communities. Are you feeling that here as well in Portro? Yeah, the, like the population of Portro would be an awful lot bigger now yeah. than when I was a child. But like as regards shops and all that, a lot less. Yeah, I know. Janji is dying to ask you a question. Go on, Janji. And what do you think is about tourism, isn't it? Of course. Yeah. I mean, can tourism be the way to turn around this village? Do you see a future for it? I somehow feel that up here you have a huge potential, but people don't know about it and the tourists haven't pouring in. Would you have more potential, I wonder, maybe in Gary Kennedy? Yeah, well, I mean... You know what I mean? Because it's, it's actually nearer to the... Like, Gary Kennedy is more or less intact. Like, you had two pubs in Gary Kennedy when I was a child. They're still there. Yeah. Like, you had two pubs, shop, hardware, up in the quarries. There's nothing there either. Mm. You know? Yeah, so you think that the growth centre would be Barry, Gary might, Kennedy. And yeah. But then tourism, you get spread effects as well. Yeah, that's right. You get being spending into all, you know, it raises all boats, doesn't yeah, it? it does. Yeah. 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 Mike, tell us about some of the communities then that you have running here in Portrow. Well, maybe we could pass on to other that's people. That's okay, sorry. I don't Jesus, want I landed you with I, that, I don't didn't want I? <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. We're going to move on to the Historical Society, of course, yeah. which is another important one. Derek Ryan, how are you? Hi, how's it going? You well? Don't be so nervous. I don't bite on Valentine's no worries, Day, so don't be too nervous. Derek, tell me about the Historical Society. When was it set up? Yeah, we were set up in uh, 2017, um, and it kind of encompasses the whole area um, of Ara, which is Portro, Newtown, um, Bohor, Intabalana. So it's um, not just, you know, it's not just Portro, but I suppose historically and archaeologically, I suppose the area, you know, was all one at one stage, like, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, as I said earlier, um, I suppose it felt like it was just kind of pu pushing an open door. There, there's so much interest in um, yeah. history and archaeology around this area, so it, it was a very easy to set up. People, you know, normally you're struggling for numbers, but but but, but there's lots of people that, that yeah. had um, lots of varied um, experience and uh, you know interest to, to to join the group. You know, and what better place to set up a group? I mean, you are just surrounded by yeah. historical and archaeological um, artifacts here, aren't you? Yeah, very much so. I was just writing down some of them there, and it's just yeah. there's no way we we get through them all in in a short space of time. But I suppose um, going back to kind of the prehistoric times, um, you know, kind of megalithic type stuff like um, stone circles and um, standing stones, that kind of stuff. It's probably one of the most important places in um, Tipperary uh, and uh, holds itself up with any um, in Ireland, I suppose. Um, there's a... Uh you could rattle through them, but there's 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 a stone circle. Um, we've got a kind of megalithic rock art, which was it's the only uh, example that's been found in in uh, Tipperary. Um, that's up at um, near the school at Lucian Tyrone. Um, there would be. Um, yeah, also there's a stone row, uh, there's, there's kind of a hill fort, a Bronze Age hill fort at Loch Tay where the Millennium Cross is when you walk out there. Most people wouldn't know about that, but um, these hill forts date back to uh, 4,000 years ago. Um, and it's likely that it was for kind of controlling the, the Shannon River, which was probably a, a, for, for hundreds and, yeah, it was for thousands of years, it's been probably an archery of, of the country, like, you know, kind of yeah. like the old motorway people would have went on um, and water when, when the land was, you know, would have been too impassable, which, which um, you know, yeah. the, the roads wouldn't have been very good back in, in those yeah. days, you know, so, um, yeah, I suppose, and then just the, the society, um, we've, we, um, 
we, we, we joined a, a scheme with the Heritage Council called the um, Adopted Monument Scheme, and uh, we, we adopted the Graves of Lentisman, which is um, looking down over the Shannon, um, just to try and find out what, what, what that was. There's, there's lots of mythology and uh, legends about it, so we were just trying to find out more mm. uh, scientifically, I suppose, what, what it's about. And uh, we've, um, we, we, we got funding from um, the Heritage Council and Tip County Council to carry out a few, um, a kind of a geophysical survey. It's something you might see on a time team where they yeah. kind of try to look under the ground without, without digging up, like, you know, the ground. So, and, uh, um, have you done that? Yeah, we've done that already. And, How did uh, that go? Well, uh, it, we, we, I suppose it, it, what's likely is that it's kind of a, a site that's gone back thousands of years and it has maybe been, been reused a few times. So it actually has made the map of what's underneath there very difficult to, to, um, to understand uh, and really to be 100% sure of what it is. You'd have to actually do an archaeological excavation, yeah. like, you know. But um, it definitely takes that back a lot older than the story involving Brian Brew. Um, That's interesting, yeah, isn't you it? Know, yeah. Um, and, John? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've been telling the unfortunate listeners of yeah. Tip FM a lovely romantic story yeah. about the King of Leinster falling in love with a beautiful princess down in uh, Munster mm -hmm. and the consequences at the graves of the Leinster men. But I think you kind of burst my bubble and said, <laughs> This is actually a, br <laughs> a Bronze Age side, so there's no there's romance no whatsoever. So yeah. sorry, Alison, because you were on and on, weren't you? Uh, but no, but I think I even just the fact that it's been associated with um, Brian Brew just shows how yeah. important it was. Like he was the High King of of Ireland at one stage. So um, and um, often um, kings like that would have liked to. Uh, get prestige from older sites like you know to show that they've been around for a long time you know so yeah, um, yeah so. like John we're always talking about that how all of this folklore and all these wonderful stories and I mean Derek went through so many sites there I mean why don't we all know about them a lot more than we do well that's right and I mean I mean I took you to the graves of the Lensaman yeah. for your first time ever yeah. and you were a proud to to say woman yeah. but you did say you were going to come back up here you were yeah. struck by it. but when you have to look out and then you have Port Village, Gary Kennedy on one side the wonderful walks uh, Lacte Hill up there Town Tinna, and I promote that because I used to do a lot of hill walking, and it's the only drive-in mountaintop I know yeah. in Ireland with a magnificent view. So I mean, we should be promoting it that people can get to a mountaintop. I think that's unique in Ireland that you can drive and park on a mountaintop. Yeah. I think there's an enormous amount here, but we have to get the message yeah. out. Derek, that I'm sure a lot of people um, they mightn't have the ingenuity maybe to delve into the history of the area like you do, but I'm, I'm sure they love to read the results of it. Can they do that? Is there um, kind of online yeah. articles? Well, well, yeah, we, we also um, we, we run a journal here, a local historical journal, and um, that's been going for four years. So that's called the um, the Annals of Arras. So that's that's available um, online at our, our website or our two local um, uh, stores here as well. Like you know, so so a lot of what we do it goes in there, and it's it's not just archaeology; it's lots of uh, you know um, uh, social history as well. You know, yeah. we we we, um, we do some interviews of, of uh, older people in the area, and you know they they, they talk about supposed you know going back to older farming practices. I, I think like I saw so. a book in the post office as well. Did I? Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's what I was like, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's it. it the, the, like I said, the archaeology and history spans thousands of years. It's um, another thing that's unique to the area is um, in our graveyards, there's um, a unique kind of uh, artwork on, on some of the slate um, stone uh, graveyards from the 1800s. Um, and they're kind of linked in with the slate quarries here. We, yeah. we think that um, the, some of the stonemasons there would also have, um, you know, they would have been experts with stone and they would have also had their own unique kind of style of um, uh, motifs or um, iconography on the, um, on the stone, uh, um, on the, the gravestones, like, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, they're, they're, they're I, I find it fascinating. Like, yeah. there's all, they have all, you know, there's all these different stories involved that, uh, on, uh, the, the, you know, in a kind of a, 
uh, graphical way, like you know, because probably back then people wouldn't have been able to, um, you know, like in yeah. demonstrating how they died. Uh, they no, died? more about about uh, generally about religion, and right. uh, you know, um, one of them has uh, Saint Patrick um, uh, banishing the saints, uh, the snakes from Ireland. You know, this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and um, there, there's um, others. Then um, I suppose there's an old uh, story about. Uh, the, the cock and the pot relating to the, um, the resurrection of Jesus. Like, you know, it's an old Irish story that, that isn't everywhere. And that, that's, that's, that's carved on some of the stone, stones in uh, the, the wider area. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. And will you eventually, do you, do you think you'll ever get the full story of the, of the Graves' Instrument? And You're very bothered by this, aren't you? You're very bothered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to find out. I want yeah. the skeleton of a beautiful lady yeah. to be found down there and wash away. Careful the now, John. Yeah. Careful. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose we've made, we've made great progress in what we've done, and I, we're not going to let it go. Anyway, we'll definitely try and yeah. try and do more with it. Like you know, um, recently we um, we upgraded the um, the information board there, which had previously was you know, it was kind of hadn't got that much on it. Like you know, with our latest results. So yeah. if anyone's up there, they'll be able to get you know a little bit of information. You know, yeah. as they're enjoying the beautiful views of. of nice of to have lake, a little so, bit of yeah. mystery to it too, as well. Well, though, yeah, there? that's it. You know, yeah. and, and everyone loves the you know the romance, the romance of a good le- yeah, of yeah. a good legend. Like, you know, so, yeah. Derek, lovely to talk to you this Thanks morning. So Thanks so much. Um, because of where we are, then, yep, all of us. Thanks, Derek. We're in Schuldice's Hall, and if the walls could talk about the romance stories, I'm sure, I mean, we'd be here all day. Michael Schuldice, lovely to meet you. And lovely to meet you all, and I'd like to welcome everybody here today. Tell us about the history of the hall. Well, the, the hall here had two projects in mind. One was to build a sawmill, and the other was to build a dance hall. And um, so in 1938, he built his sawmill, and he was able to get power generation equipment with it, which worked then for the next 16 years to give lighting to the dance hall, which he built in 1939. Fantastic. And the hall opened on the 8th of October, 1939. And... Um, Ran for 40 years, was it? Yes, it did. The late 30s, all the 40s, all the 50s, 60s, and closed eventually in the early 70s. My goodness. And I can imagine all, I'm sure a lot of local couples are together because of this dance hall. Yes, actually, when it was known that I was doing some work on the hall here, several people came in who had been here as younger people and middle-aged people and said, well, they could identify where people sat, who met whom. And, and then they spoke about meeting their partners here and very often their parents meeting their partners here. That's lovely. I mean, 1979, it did, I suppose, signify the end of that kind of social dancing and going to halls for dancing. It kind of went to pubs and nightclubs then a little bit. It makes you a bit maybe nostalgic for times like that, doesn't it? Yes, it it does. It does. But everything was changing and advancing. Yeah, we don't like change, though, Mike. I suppose we don't. <laughs> but then people were more free to travel. Yeah. The education system was working, and many things were changing. And so that in that environment, you know, the age maybe of dancing locally came gradually to an end. Mm. And with it then, I suppose, the whole, um, I suppose, went to sleep, hibernated for a little while, but now it's being reinvigorated again and reawakened again. Tell us about the work that's going on here. Yes, well, something which impressed me always was the work which was done in the beginning was done totally manually. Mm. No modern machines of any kind to provide what we take for granted today. So the men who worked with my father and some of their relatives are here, and some people here who worked with my father when the hall was extended in the mid-50s, and I would like to pay a very special thanks to those people who were there at each stage. 
Yeah, because I mean, a lot of work went into it, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And it's full of history and full of memories, and people love to come in and talk about them. And tell me, what's the plan then for the future? Once the work is done and it's developed, what would you like to see happen? Well, I suppose uh, what we're really saying is that it's work in progress. It's going to take another while to bring it to a conclusion. But the kind of needs that exist today are somewhat different than they were then. Yeah. And uh, people like to be comfortable, and the things that they want to be involved in generally require a cosy place. Yeah, and uh, that's the main thing. Tell me about some of the big bands that played here, because there were some big names. Oh, yes. A bit yes. before my time now, Michael, but <laughs> I'm sure some people might recognise them. Yes, well, uh, um, a local band which was particularly um, fruitful, uh, but really, really good, was the Bridge Cayley Band. And they played here regularly and were at the operated at the very highest level. Then you had the Johnny Commons Cayley Band from Ross Grey, the Tully Cayley Band from Clare, yeah. the Gallowglass Cayley Band from Wicklow played here, um, the Ockram Slopes Cayley Band from Galway, the Kieran Kelly Cayley Band from Athlone, the Maliki Sweeney Cayley Band from Armagh. Wow, and that's just a few of them, and isn't it? And then Mick Dell played here as well. Fantastic. He was the one yeah. with, with all the romances. He was yeah. the beginning genre. Yeah. Yeah. So that there was a transition then from the late 30s through the 40s. And in that period as well, my father operated a cinema here as well. Really? Through all that period. Wow. So his projection equipment was just over my head there. Yeah. And the screen was uh, up there where the, st- the stage was there. It's very exciting to see new life coming into it again, though, isn't it? You must be very proud. Yeah, yes, indeed. And I'm delighted with the level of interest that people are expressing in the work yeah um, and, and and people have been welcome to see it and people come in and talk about it yeah and it is generating lots of discussion it is Mike lovely to talk to you this morning uh, sorry John did you want yeah, to come just in just saying I mean I must wonder in those days the church was powerful what happened during Lent were you all sitting at home <laughs> looking into the fire or what well, happened <laughs> <laughs> there were some special times of the year Lent was one of them okay so there was no dancing during Lent unless St. Patrick's Night occurred the 17th of March and that was one of the very big nights of the year okay as was St. Stephen's Night and the 1st of January New Year's Night okay so during Lent then different travelling groups came here to perform their plays on the stage there you had uh, Cormac Brothers the Carrickfords, and I think there was one other group as well, but just name doesn't come to mind at the moment. Mm. But they would have come in the mid-50s, 55, 56, 57. And they were hugely supported by local people and from local parishes. They were what we call the fit-ups, weren't they? Yes, 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 exactly. And just one other little thing about the dancing. During the summertime, uh, they had a platform out here beside it. Uh, so that when dancing wasn't taking place in the hall, the platform operated. Oh, fantastic. Mike, lovely to talk to you today. I know we could stay all day here, so thanks very much. I know you want to quickly thank a few people, don't you? I want to play um, a very special thanks to the people whose uh, families worked here with my parents, Okay. I want to say special thanks to Marta McKenna and Tommy Meany, who had worked with my father in the reconstruction of the hall in the mid-50s. And I want to play a very special thanks to Jane Quinlan from the Annals of Arra, who researched the information about the opening, mm. and to Eileen Minogue, um, um, Paddy O'Brien's daughter. Lovely. Michael, thanks so much. A bula bus there for Michael. Thanks a million. Now, as we were speaking about a little earlier and uh, during our little walkabout as well, the quarries, of course, played a huge role in the history and the heritage of Port Row. Uh, Jim Ryan, how are you? 
I'm very well, thanks. Good man. You are, I'm told, one of the last people to work in the quarries here. Is that right? Yes, that's right. I worked for 12 months, roughly, right. until 1949 when the strike came in. Mm. You know, so... Uh, what was it like? Well, the qu quarry was going well, like, but the thing about the quarry was that it was too hard to get the stone out. Yeah. They didn't strip it back far enough, and so... It was, uh, the spring was coming up from the quarry, not the rain coming in, mm -hmm. and they had to use pumps. So, 13 weeks strike, then the quarry had filled up, so that was their excuse to cancel the quarry. I think the Tubex and all that came in then, that was easier, yeah. you know, so they were more interested in that. So, a lot of people, like, it did start up a bit after that, in the 51 or 2 or whatever. But it never became a success, you know. Yeah. It was always going to be n no goal. Yeah. And was it the artificial slates as well that were competing with you at that stage well, against the, the natural yeah, tiles and slates coming in from Spain and wherever, mm. you know. Mm. And uh, like, the, as I said, the tiles were a big thing because they were mass produced. And, and you had a huge mudslide there as well. When we went up there, I didn't think about this with Alison. We were up at looking at the quarries. She said, this place was always like, was there ever kind of an avalanche here? And I said, well, I don't know anything about it. I came in this morning and that contributed to the closing of the quarry. Wasn't there a main, yeah. a main a, a, a slide into the open a cast slide, mine? Yeah, well, yeah. there was a man killed there. He, um, he was next door to us above. And uh, the slide came down and caught him in the bottom and killed oh, no. him, yeah. So like Aberfan in Wales. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, it wouldn't be as big as that, but, yes. you know. But, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, when I was there, like, and my father was one of the main, like, he was a skilled slate man. And uh, I got into the quarry at 15 because of him. <laughs> and I st stayed there until the end of the strike, yeah. you know. And, and it was extremely labour-intensive, wasn't it? Oh, when it was. was. Going, yeah. It had to be done by hand, so that created jobs. Exactly. Oh, it was great. But, I mean, they had the uh, big saws over from Germany, the diamond uh, saws. I used to take over a bottle of tea to my father in his sock. <laughs> <laughs> and the knives of that diamond saw, I mean, the two big ones. And, uh, you know, they were well organized. It was, yeah. was a big job. And you went to England then for a while. I did. But you I... had a dream in your head about what you were going to do when you come back. Tell I, me about yeah. that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, as things went here, you know, there was no, no uh, proper industry or anything and my brother had gone to England so he gave he sent me 20 quid that was a tenor to come over and a tenor to come back and being the youngest of the five brothers my mother expected me back yeah but anyway if you think I, I won't hold you too long but I'll say when we came here to Chelsea's Hall like we'd manage on a Sunday night maybe whatever it was a shilling or whatever and that was our week gone. Yeah. And then when we came here, the women would be lined up along there. Waiting and, for you. And the boys would be lined here. And my mother used to play the concertina, so we were able to dance. Right. Well, if you went over there and asked a woman and you weren't able to dance, you wouldn't get a woman. Oh, so you had to dance. So you had to... So there were three things you had to have to get a woman here in Chelsea's Hall. Go on. You so had, you had to, to, be dance. Able to dance. If she fancied you, you could take her for a mineral in there. Look at his laughing up right. there. And then... 
the Rolls Royce of everything if you had a bike with a crossbar. Oh, my God. <laughs> and if you had a basket, I mean, they go mad all together oh, for yeah, you. I know. <laughs> Look yeah. at what you missed out on, Alison. I tell you, simpler times. So that we need to go back to that. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I know we're going to come back to you again in a yeah. minute because you're going to sing us out with the, the song of yeah. Porto. That's an important song to you, I know, because oh, you're involved in that. Oh, I, I, I got the song as a poem. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Lines was the man. And um, my, my auntie above and, like, the husband died young, I used to have to go up and collect the eggs for her and all that. Yeah. And he heard me singing around the house and he said, Jim, I'm going to compose a song for you. Yeah. But you'll have to put the air to it. And there's another song as well he composed for me. It's about the strike in the oh, quarry. Right. But nobody ever heard that one. Well, <laughs> hopefully if we have time today, we might. Oh, no. um, warm up those vocal cards, because I'll be back to you in a few minutes. Oh, yeah. uh, but a boula bus anyway for Jim Thank there you. before we come back to him. Uh, Simon, we're going to talk about Gary Kennedy now as well, because as we know, tourism, a big uh, part of, of what goes on here and a big draw for people to come into the area as well. And Gary Kennedy, of course, in the parish. Yes, Alison, it's actually a townsend and it's also a little hamlet uh, yeah. of approximately about 300 people in the townsend. But within the actual village, there's about 10 houses facing onto the harbour fronts uh, with nine people approximately living in those 10 houses. Mm. Um, we have two magnificent uh, uh, facilities uh, in terms of uh, on the water being the harbours and the marina. Um, we have um, plenty of walkways uh, where loads of wildlife from mallards to cormorants to um, walkways where people actually can have wheelchair access. All this was actually put in in about um, 2021 uh, in consultation with the government department and obviously the county, county council. Yeah. Um, you have the, the boat club and the fishing club We then as have, well. yes. Uh, the boat and fishing club was actually formed in 1974 um, with uh, permission and kind uh, uh, from a new family who, who gave land down there to, to the boat club and the fishing club. There's a sailing club there which was formed in 1985. Um, we have two uh, facilities for food and drink, namely Larkins of Gary Kendi, ran by Maura and Cormac Weil, and we have Sis Rhines, uh, which is um, Denise and Rye Breen. Um, and after that, basically, I suppose we have our castle there. Yeah. Um, that was called many, many different names over the years. Um, one was Castle Gare, it was called, and we believe that it may have been the translation from Cashlon Gare, meaning a short castle, to actually uh, Slanger Castle, which we believe Slanger meant that there was illegal selling of liquor and so on. And maybe this came about when the Guinness barges came into Gary Kennedy and maybe they tapped the odd barrel and ah. gave them out to the locals. Yeah. We also had a shebeen there, uh, farther up, uh, Kobe McGrath ran a shebeen. So, um, there's, yes, there's, there's plenty of activity. Yeah. Um, on the village end, looking out onto the lake, we can see the wonderful rolling hills of Clare across in Whitegate. Yeah. We can see County Galway, which is in over in Williamstown. We have Isle of Moore, which is a magnificent uh, uh, island. We have Holy Island off to yeah. the west, up Scarif and so on. Uh, and also then if one fancies uh, a good long walk, you can head off over towards Cornode and do the... Um, there's a beautiful walk.
walk over there. Fairly rough terrain, all right, in uh, terms of Castlock Woods, which uh, is all around the Deer Park, which yeah. was all part of the, the big estate that was actually over there. Yeah. And then a little bit farther on, then you have Castlock, uh, which is a little beach and a play area for, for the grounds. But you're just blessed around we're, here, we're, aren't we you? Are, we are, we are, yeah. yes, yeah. But of course, Gary Kindy in the summer really is, is a yeah. hive of activity where you have so many people coming, all the different cruisers coming in yeah. uh, from, from everywhere. Um, it just brings it to life again, doesn't it? It, it does, it yeah. does, it does. I'll yeah. have to leave it there for this morning because I'm running out of time, Simon. But thanks so much, Abula Bus for Simon. And we're going to go, of course, every village we go to. Should we love the Ga, don't we, Tom? We love Abs the Ga. Absolutely. No, the Ga, and the Ga is very strong here in Portru. Um, I've no doubt. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I've, I've often heard that when people play Portru, they do remember playing Portru. So, yeah, they do good. have a reputation down south. Yeah, but good. It's good oh, reputation. Good, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And a uh, very active club. Um, we have uh, Juvenile, uh, Camogie, our senior, and most recently Ladies Football. So, it's a very active club. A lot of, a lot of people helping out, uh, which is badly needed in a, in a community. Yeah, and you're intermediate this year, isn't it? We are, yeah. Thanks, Alison, for mentioning that. <laughs> we're yeah. intermediate too, Tom. Don't, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, no, we're back intermediate, um, but we'll, um, we're back training and uh, we're, we're ready for the fight again. So, yeah. How are you doing for numbers? I know we were talking about that before. It's, it's something a lot of clubs are really um, struggling with at the moment. Are you struggling in terms of that? I mean, a lot of clubs looking at amalgamating. You hate to see it, but you want to keep them playing, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. No, at the moment we're okay with numbers, but it, it is coming down the line. Um, I think you mentioned earlier there with other speakers um, what can we do for this area but we do need housing in yeah. this area badly I know it is a, it is, this is a lovely part of the country um, it's nearly a hidden secret as far as I'm concerned Absolutely. and it should be getting out more but we need to get people living here and I do think the bridge in Killaloo will start opening up this side of the country do you and think? I, well I hope so because it's going to be easier access to get to these areas yeah. and uh, I'm hoping that maybe the powers will be there in the local government that might allow more housing in the side of the country. Tell me about the development in the pitch as well, because I know you're planning a walkway around there too, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. We, we got a chance there a couple of years ago during COVID. Um, land came available adjacent to the club and we purchased it. And we're now going to have a walkway, which is badly needed as well, because we want to kind of get everyone involved in the club. Because you mentioned there a while ago, there was only one shop and one pub. Well, we want to kind of make the GA, the hub of the town. So we have a walkway coming, we have a car park, we're going to uh, make the two pitches bigger and we're also going to hopefully get a community cafe That'd for people amazing. that could come in and do their walk in the morning, all ages, young and old, um, and people that are even gone from GA yeah. that can be involved and have a cup of coffee after us. All the best with it and all the best for the year ahead. Don't worry, you'll enjoy Intermediate. Thank you, Alison. We'll, we'll look forward to meeting right. you. <laughs> Thanks a million, <laughs> Okay, would you believe we're out of time? That absolutely flew. So I'm going to go, ha go back to Jim because we're going to finish out with a song. Are you ready for me, Jim? I'll try, yeah. <laughs> Good man. First of all, I just want to thank everyone here at Port Row for such a great welcome for myself and John this morning. You've all been fantastic, all right? Uh, thanks for having us. Do we need... Are you, you're ready. You don't need to clear the throat or anything. You're good to go. Look I'm at you. You're okay, born yeah. ready. Whenever you're ready. <clears throat> The other day as I did stray along the Shannon shore 
And as it came into my mind, the country to explore, I stood upon the hill of Port, where I had a splendid view to crown the lovely scenery round the village of Port And as I looked down, and there we leave uh, the beautiful scenery in the beautiful village of uh, Portrue. And what an excellent piece there from uh, Ali and all the team up in uh, Portrue today. That's part of our village tour. All right, then we're heading towards news and we'll be back to you. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie